0: Wakey Wakey, Eggs and Bakey, Kill Bill, Volume 2, coming up on The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, a podcast about movies. Welcome back. Another great movie, another great episode. This is... Kill Bill Volume 2. Before I start, I just want to say, man, just thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. It means a lot, you know, the returning listeners. Thank y'all. You know I got something special for y'all. And for the new listeners, buckle in, strap up, because it's about to be a, a great episode. And, um, yeah, without further ado, let's get to it. Kill Bill Volume 2. Came out April 16th, 2004. Beatrix Kiddo, a retired assassin, continues her revenge tour, finishing off her D.Va list and facing off against the man who set everything up, Bill. Um. Damn. What did. What, what did diva stand for again? It was an abbreviation for something. Like, it was. And a brief, I think it's like deadly International Viper assassination squad. I think so. We're just going to keep it that way. But anyways, yes. Yeah, so I believe this movie opens up with Uma Thurman, a.k.a. The Bride, a.k.a. Beatrice Kiddo driving and giving like a brief explanation of what happened. In Volume One, and yeah, we go from there. I mean, she just goes on. First person that she goes after is uh, Bud, and then that didn't end too well because Bud ends up getting the upper hand in that in that situation, buries her alive. But Beatrice Kiddo is such a badass man. I mean, she rises like gets out of that uh gets out of that grave, gets gets out of being buried alive by remember by remembering what uh Pi Mae taught her, snatches out um Ellie Driver's eye, then does the five finger death punch technique to Bill and Yeah. Pretty much summed up the whole movie right then and there. We're going to dive into it a little bit more, but nonetheless, let's let's, uh, continue on with this. So, the cast. We have Uman Thurman as the bride slash bitch's kiddo slash B slash B slash I don't know. Whatever else, however, however many names she has, call it all that. David Carradine as Bill. Daryl Hannah as Ellie Driver. Michael Madsen as Bud. Michael Parks as Esteban Yahoo. Uh, if I butchered them up, I'm sorry. Chia Hui Lu as Pai Mei. Bo Svensson as Rev- Reverend Harmony. Jenny Epper as Mrs. Harmony. Stephanie L. Moore as Jolene. Shanna Stein as Erica. Caitlin Keats as Janine. Christopher Allen Nelson as Tommy. Samuel L. Jackson as Rufus, the piano player. Rita Beeb as Lucky. Sid Sid Haig as Jay. Oh yeah, Sid Haig. That is one creepy motherfucker. Larry Bishop as Larry Gomez, Laura Cayuette as Rocket, Clark Middleton as Ernie, Claire Smithies as Clarita, Helen Kim as Karen, and finally we have the debut of Perla Haney Jardine as BB. The budget 30 million. Box office opening weekend 25 million, grossing in the US a total of 66 million and worldwide 154 million. So, definitely made well, even triple the income of its budget. So, definitely tripled its budget. I'm sorry, and rightfully so. I mean, Kill Bill Volume 2 is. An amazing film. So amazing, it could even stand out as its own film. Reviews. So 83 on Metascore, giving it the ultimate green light. What else do we have here? We also have on Rotten Tomatoes, 84%. With an audience score of 89%. Like I said, man. First things first. Rest in peace, Uncle Phil. Mm, mm. For real. You're the only father that I ever knew. Okay, my, my fault, my fault. First things first, I want to say is. Audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. I know I said it before, but I'm going to say it again. I don't miss with Rotten Tomatoes. At all. 0%. But that audience score, though. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I like that. You know, the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, they're alright, but John Morant, hmm, hmm. Scratch my chin, scratch my chin. That's what I, that's how I feel about this, man. The audience score is just on point as always. Definitely agree with this audience score more than I do with the meta score, and I love metascore. 89%, fantastic. A couple of reviews. Volume 2 fills in the motivational and emotional blanks that left the first movie tasting like a real meal made only of appetizers. Okay. If Kill Bill Volume 1 was like a roundhouse kick to the head, Volume 2 is practically a warm hug. Originally conceived as one film, the two-parter that has finally emerged can now be seen as a truly epic work. Kill Bill Volume 1 was a pure action movie, in love with collisions of violent movement. Volume 2 relaxes the pace, allowing for extended monologues. Those who laminated the first film's lack of wicked word exchanges should delight in Carradine's final soliloquy. As it currently stands, Kill Bill is a victim of its director's ego. And its distributors greed. The moments of greatness make it worth seeing. And there's certainly plenty of entertainment to be found here. But it's hard not to lament what might have been. And the last one I have here. A a shapeless mess. But at least it's not as monotonous as Kill Bill Volume 1. So... I had to throw in at least one bad review, right? Um, Of course, this guy is way, way off. Obviously, by the budget it's made. uh, Obviously, by the uh, box office numbers. Obviously, by countless great reviews. And, yeah. He just had to be that one guy. just had to be that one guy. And I had to be that person to find that one guy. My personal review. I... Love Kill Bill Volume 2. And I love the way this movie brings such an epic end to Beatrix Kiddo's journey. I also love how David Carradine, um, who plays Bill, for those that don't know, how, I, just, I just love how he wipes everybody off the screen. To me, he outperforms Uma Thurman and Michael Madison, and his performance is just amazing. On point. Unforgettable. Let's see. I would this is how I, this is how I, I was uh explain David Carradine's uh performance in this movie. He rushes for two 329 yards with five touchdowns, and he is or or he is 17 for 17 for field goals being made and has five blocks and a triple double. Okay? Right, this guy just he does a damn thing. He backpacks the whole the whole team. He needs to. He does LeBron James the Cavs all the way to the NBA Finals. Well, not even that. Let's say LeBron James for Miami Heat, because you know, Uma Thurman and Michael Madsen can can't sleep on their performances either. So I take that back. Miami Heat. Um, like I also think, see that's why I had to go back. I also think Michael Madsen is the only person in this movie to give him a run for his money. To me, it was like watching Russell Westbrook and KD playing against each other for the first time and how they both balled out. And the the final the final thing about that I want to say about my review is um that the training scenes with Paime are great and so are the fight scenes in this movie. So for me, I give it a ten out of ten. Uh Hattori Hanzo uh Hanzo Hattori so what it was Forgive me, Kill Bill fans and Quentin Tarantino fans. It's a Hot Tori Hanzo source. Yeah. 10 out of 10 Hot Tori Hanzo source. Movie Awards. So it has 23 wins and 84 nominations. At the 2005 MTV Movie Awards, Kill Bill 2 won for Best Fight for the Daryl Hannah versus Uma Thurman fight and also one for best hero. Um, oh, before I continue this, I'm sorry, before I continue, I just want to say I'm gonna I'm only going to focus on just a couple of wins here, not the whole 23 wins. But yeah, as I was saying earlier, 2005 MTV Movie Awards won best fight and best hero. Other nominees in the best fight category are Anchorman for the News Team Battle. House of Flying Daggers for Zhang Ziyi versus the Emperor's Guards and Troy with Brad Pitt and Eric Bana. I haven't seen Troy. I know it. I know it exists. Um, I think Source of Sandal movies are cool, but I don't know. It's just yeah, you have to really have to get my interest in it. Um, the best Source of Sandal movie. I don't care what anybody say. Y'all can fight me, but like. The best source of set of movies of all time is Gladiator. Hands down, that's it. Hand down, man down. Um, yeah. I mean, I could, I'll, I'll agree with this. But if Kill Bill Volume 2 wasn't made this year or wasn't in this category, I would definitely give it to Anchor man for the news team battle. I mean, how couldn't you, man? I mean that that news team battle is so funny and yet it's such a tough scene. Um to quote Ron Burgundy. Brick killed a guy. You know, he killed him with the damn trident. That 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 whole that whole thing is just funny and hard. I also like Ben Stiller's appearance when he a small little cameo when he shows up at that fight and he's like, Buenos días, bitches. So I like that. That had me dying. I love it. Oh, hold on, folks. Did I not? Oh, wow. I'm slipping up on my own show, ladies and gentlemen. I am slipping up on my own show. So I have the... uh This whole time I thought I had... Nope, I didn't. Okay, so I originally had the uh category for best hero at the... 2005 MTV Movie Awards but apparently it slipped out of my fingers my fault common mistake at least on this show I need to work on that and I keep saying that well it's all good going back to the uh, going back to the um, yeah the, the category for the 2005 MTV Movie Awards for best hero Three, two, do, 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 Alright, here we go. My fault. So Uma Thurman won for Best Hero in in the category. Other categories were uh Keanu Reeves for Constant for his character Constantine, Matt Damon for the Born Supremacy, Toby Maguire for Spider-Man 2, and uh Hugh Jackman for Van Helsing. So if I if you have to it depends about hero, right? Wouldn't wouldn't Uma Thurman's character, the bride slash Beatrice kiddo, is she even really considered a hero? At best, maybe an anti-hero? Um, and the reason why I said that I means she's not really saving anybody's lives or she's not really portrayed in such a way. She is simply on this... Um, Journey for revenge because she was dealt wrong, and at the time she thought she lost everything. So she doesn't really go out on a spree saving people. So I don't really know if I her if I would put her for this best hero category. But looking at this list, best hero. If I had to redo this, well, we're going to redo it right now. For me, it's a a toss-up between Keanu Reeves' character and Tobey Maguire's character. But I'll go ahead and just give it to Spider-Man 2, even though I feel like Constantine. Constantine is a pretty underrated movie. Um, Yeah, I'll go ahead and give it to Tobey Maguire for Spider-Man 2. But moving on, at the uh, 2005 Jupiter Awards, Quentin Tarantino won for Best International Director, and there were no other nominees. It was just him by himself in that category. That's fine. Quentin Tarantino is amazing. Go ahead and give him. All the awards for directors. I didn't... For this next one, I didn't do... Break down each individual category because I felt like... Uh, because uh, at this at this certain award show, Kill Bill just won four awards. I feel like it did like a sweep or something. Not, not an entire sweep, but... It did clean up a good bit of the house. At the 2004... Golden Schmoes Awards. Kill Bill 2 won four awards. Best Director of the Year went to uh, Quentin Tarantino. Best Actress of the Year, Uma Thurman. Best Supporting Actor of the Year. uh, This one went to uh, David Carradine. And finally, it won Best Music. And the last award show I'm going to be talking about is at the 2005 Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, where Kill Bill 2 won for won a Saturn Award for Best Action/Adventure/Thriller Film, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Supporting Actress. Um, Best Supporting Actor uh, once again went to David Carradine, and then Best Supporting Actress went to Ellie Driver. So yeah, those are the awards that I covered. Um, I also know that it got nominated for a couple of Golden Globes, Golden Globe Awards. So that's pretty spectacular, actually. It's very, very great to be nominated for Golden Globe. Um, Uma Thurman and David Carradine both got nominated for uh, Uma Thurman for Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture. And David Carradine got nominated for... Best performance by an actor in a supporting role in a motion picture. So, I don't, I, if I had to, I didn't put the category in here, but if I had to bring that category back from from my uh concession stands, the Who's for the Show, it would definitely go to David Carradine. Um, if it's been a while since you've seen Kill Bill, or you never seen Kill Bill. Please, please, please understand that this man just steals everything in Kill Bill Volume 2. So, what makes this movie stand out? So, to me, it definitely has more scenes of dialogue than the first. And there's also a better understanding of why the massacre at the wedding chapel happened. So that they both kind of tie in together because, um as like I said earlier, we open up with um, Beatrice Kiddo talking about her, like give like a quick recap. And then I believe we move on, like we move past that. And then we see Bill at Buzz trailer. And those two just carry the movie right there. I, I couldn't I couldn't imagine being on set watching that whole thing go down. I know I'd be like zoomed in, locked in on those two just going tit for tat. Um and during that scene, I know I was gonna talk about a little bit more because I believe I have that in my top five. But during that scene, just a quick overview of the scene, um Bill's just basically warning Bud about Beatrix and how she lived and that he's just there for safety because they're brothers. So yeah, that was a great scene. Um also what makes the movie stand out is that we have like a better understanding of why the massacre at the wedding chapel happened, you know, Bill shows up and he's I don't know like like relief to see that she's alive, but you can tell just things are about to go south. Um, Actually, I don't even know if you can tell that things are about to go south. I just say that because I've seen the movie so many times, but at first, no, I didn't, I didn't think that, I didn't think things were going go as bad as, as it happened, like as it went down. But yeah, anyways, you still get an understanding of why the massacre happened. Um, We are also able to see, well, not really what, how, an understanding. You do get an understanding later on in the movie, like near the end. What I meant was with this Wadden Chapel massacre, you're able to see the whole thing go down from the beginning all the way to the end of this massacre. So, yeah. We are able to also see, physically see Bill a lot more in this film. Than the previous film. And we get our. Conclusion to this epic journey of revenge. So that's what. Makes it stand out to me. First time watching this. I believe I watched this on Spike TV. So. Yeah. Moving on to. uh Tales from the script. Michael Parks. Plays two different characters in both movies. In Kill Bill 1, he plays Earl McGraw. I believe he's like a homicide detective. In Kill Bill Volume 1. And in Kill Bill Volume 2, he plays uh, Esteban Vallejo. Who is um, a father figure to to Bill. He's a pimp. And he owns like this, I guess like a and Or brothel. And um... Like he has a gang under him called the Acuna boys, and they're all boys that have father that are that have like fatherless offsprings of the whores in his brothel, so yeah. Pretty dark. That's a pretty dark gang. I imagine they had to be pretty strong too. Chia Chia Hui Lou also plays two different characters in each movie and the first one he plays I think like the general of the crazy 88's Johnny and in Kill Bill Volume 2 he plays Pai Mei and if I think about it like out of both movies combined I think Pai Mei is my favorite character Pai Mei is awesome Uma Thurman and Daryl Hannah did not get along with each other and reportedly instruct hotel and cinema staff to ensure that they were kept separate from each other during the press tour from Volume 1. They were again at odds at the film screening at the Cannes Film Festival and ordered separate areas to be created at the after-show party so they wouldn't clash. When the 2 women won best fight at the 2005 MTV Movie Awards, only Daryl ha- attended. Uma's absence was conspicuous considering she had gone the previous year to collect the award for her fight with uh, Chiaki Kuriyama in Volume 1. So I find that, me personally, I find that really interesting. I mean, the rivalry on screen and they continue that rivalry off screen. There's no reason why. I couldn't find a reason why they were. Um, but at bay with each other, but yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just I'm glad to be able to see that that they were able to carry that robbery into the screen and and really show it. I mean, you really buy into it. Very interesting. Robert Rodriguez scored this movie for it one dollar Quentin Tarantino said he would repay him by directing a segment of Rodrigo, uh Rodriguez uh project sin City for one dollar as well I have an um Robert Rodriguez uh, such a great Renaissance man I mean he acts a little bit. He directs. He makes his own music. And, um, his, his, the song during the end credits of, uh, Kill Bill Volume 2, he he made that song with his band. And that's a pretty great song. I I, I like that song a lot. So, I have a bunch of respect for him. The, uh, brothel segment, where the bride meets with Esteban Vallejo, was the last scene of the movie to be shot. It was filmed at a Mexican brothel, and all of the female extras were prostitutes that worked there. So that's pretty fucking crazy. In Reservoir Dogs, Michael Matson's character, uh, what is it? Is it Vic Vega or Vincent Vega? It's one of those two. They're the Vega brothers. I know I know that. Um anyways, I know he's Mr. Blonde in Reservoir Dogs. But um Michael Madison's character attempts to kill a cop by dozing him with a can of gasoline, intending to burn him alive. And in Kill Bill Volume 2, the same gas canister can be seen in Buds trailer as the bride attempts to enter. That's not the only thing tied in with Reservoir Dogs. The boots that Uman Thurman has on when she is buried alive, those are the same boots that Michael Madsen used in Reservoir Dogs when he cut off the police officer's ear. And the same razor that was used to cut off the police officer's ear is used by the bride in uh, while she's trying to get out of the uh, coffin by cutting off the the her constraints, so fucking mind blown, man! Wow. I love it. I love it, Quentin Tarantino. Love it. Love the way you you tie. You use the same props from Reservoir Dogs, and love the way you use the the same actors that's played two different characters. Love it. According to the Kill Bill diary written by David Carradine, the movie that the bride and her daughter would watch was going to was originally going to be Disney's The Aristocrats. But then Disney wouldn't allow it. So Quentin decided to have them watch an episode of the cartoon Samurai Jack. However, that didn't make it either. So the last film and the final film that made the cut um, is 1980s Shogun Assassin um, uh, tied into the Lone Wolf and Cook. So if um, you don't remember the scene or if you haven't seen the scene. So during this scene, Uma Thurman, the uh, Beatrice kiddo, has finally made her way to Bill and finds out, he, you know, after talking to Esteban and whatnot, and once she shows up to kill him, surprise, her daughter's there, BB. and she is just in full shock, but plays it off, and, you know, she's talking to, getting to know her daughter a little bit better. Then it's bedtime for B.B. And then uh, from there, they're laying down and uh, Bill asked B.B., would you like to watch a movie with your mom? And B.B. says, yeah, let's watch Shogun Assassin. And uh, Bill says, no, no, no. Shogun Assassin is too long. And then she's like, no, it's not. And Beatrix agrees with her that it's not long at all so they just sit there they just lay in bed watching Shogun Assassin and there's some pretty crazy shit like the, the I don't know what scene they were watching but there was some pretty crazy shit I was like damn little ass girl watching this but I can't, I can't really blame her too much because I'm pretty sure on the same age I was watching Predator and stuff like that so the next fact that happened after, after that um Beatrix, and Bill both start with the letter B. Hence the naming of their daughter, BB. Pretty clever right there, huh? Ah, clever, clever. Originally, the Kill Bill films were planned as one epic four-hour film. And I would definitely sit through all four hours and watch it. Um, Hot take, but it would definitely be Definitely be more entertaining than watching one Lord of the Rings movie. God, all those motherfuckers are long. And this last uh, fact I have, um, it's a pretty tough one, but you know, life has a lot of uh tough moments. In twenty eighteen. Uma Thurman posted footage online of a car accident that occurred in 2002 while filming this movie. At the time, Thurman had voiced her uh, reservations about filming a scene where, while driving a car over a straight dirt road and had requested a stunt performer. However, since the scene was not considered to be a stunt and the stunt coordinator was not on set that day, Quentin Tarantino persuaded her to shoot the scene herself. While driving the uh Carmen uh, Jehia, there, uh, there was an unexpected turn in the road, causing Thurman to lose control of the car and crashing it into a tree, leaving her with concussion and damaged knees. She tried to obtain the uh, she tried to obtain the footage as proof, but Harvey Weinstein, Weinstein reportedly refused to release it unless she signed a document that would release the company from any liability. Years later, Tarantino finally gave her the footage and helped her come forward in the wake of multiple sexual assault charges against Weinstein, with Thurman also claiming to be one of his victims. Uma Thurman and Quentin Tarantino admitted that the incident had caused a breach in trust, which affected their working relationships for several years, but they reconciled afterwards and remain on good terms ever since. Yeah, um, out of respect for Uma Thurman, I don't want to dive too much into that. I just knew that I just remembered watching the footage of her crashing the car, and I wanted to put that in here for uh, for a uh tell from the script. But I just wanted to share also also share that with you guys because. You know, it's just so sad that there are so many dark things in this life that can happen, that happen to people that don't, that they don't deserve to happen to them at all. So, you know, um, I'm just glad that she's okay. And I'm glad she's she's able to overcome being a victim and... You know, my thoughts and my prayers are with her. And my thoughts and my prayers are also with victims of sexual assault. I just can't even imagine. But let's just, I know that's was a little bit dark told. Let's just try to switch it around and try to bring it right back to uh, continuing on with this movie. Oh, movie with this podcast episode. So things I want change about this film. Um, only really, only really thing I would change is that I just need more of Paime. And I like to see his background. Uh you know, have like a historic background, you know, I mean, in Kill Bill Volume 2, we're able to get a background of Oren Ishii, but we can't get a background of uh, Paime. Like, I need that. I need it. Um... Can I also get the scene where Bill and Paime have that "quote unquote" friendly, uh, friendly contest? Because that boy came down there bruised, had had a couple of scars on his face over there. I wanted to see how that went down. And then finally, I didn't put this in the uh test from the script because I wanted to uh, put it here and things I was talking about this film. There is a deleted scene with Michael J. White. Um and he fights Kill Bill and he fights Kill Bill. He fights Bill in Kill Bill volume two. And this and I've seen the scene. You can watch the scene on YouTube. The scene is pretty fucking great. It's awesome. They both they both do their thing. Um Bill gets the best of him and kills him. But yeah, I would I don't know. The reason why I'm torn because I would like to have it in this movie, but then again, if you put that scene in Kill Bill Volume Two, to me at least, it just feels like a different movie. So yeah, I don't know what I would do with that. Tough break. A couple tough breaks I got here. Getting your eye snatched out when you already have a when you already have an eye patch, uh, when you're already missing your other eye that's got to be tough, right? Um, having your food being poisoned, you know, uh, Ellie driver, um, also was learned, also was taught by Pai Mei, and she had her eyes snatched out in the movie by Pai Mei, And, um, to get revenge on him, she poisoned his fish heads. So, that was tough and killed him. So, getting your food poison, tough, tough break. Getting bit by a black mamba multiple times after just becoming a millionaire. So, let me break this scene down to so y'all. So, I'm going to have to break this whole thing down. Not just that scene, but like a little bit beforehand. So, you know earlier how I said Bill stopped by uh, Bud's trailer to talk to him about how Big Chicks is alive and she's she's on her revenge tour. And um, Bud isn't Faith at all. He's ready for her. And when she tries to sneak up in his trailer, he uh, blasts her with I believe he said rock salt, and he he traps her. I mean, he, well, he gets her, then he buries her alive, and calls Ellie to let her know that he killed Beatrix, and that he wants a million dollars from her and stuff like that. So I'm just paraphrasing a little bit. And so Ellie drives over Bud's trailer, gives him the million dollars, gives him like a like a red briefcase or something, what a million dollars in there. And as he's as he opens it, he sees a million dollars. The man is happy. The man is just laughing, happy, starts taking out the money slow uh little by little, and he removes one little pile and out of the briefcase, and right under that pile was a black mamba that bites him like what three times to the three times in the face. So that's just tough. And he dies a very painful death. So that's that's a tough break, tough, tough, tough. And he just became a millionaire, man. It's like you know, you already have imagine you being in that situation, like, man, I'm about to get out of this dusty, ugly ass trailer. Um... I got a millionaire, boy, I'm about to take me a plant. See, me, me. if I was in that situation, like, I'm about to get out this dusty-ass trailer. What am I about to do with this million dollars? I'm about to buy me a nice little house on Guava Island, and uh, I'm about to live it up. Wait, is that a black mamba? Ah, ah. So, you know, that's it. You done, for? That's it. You done. Got And so I got two more right now. Uh, two more left on this tough break. Having the Pyme five-finger death blow done to you. You get that thing done to you, you, you get up, five steps, you dead. You take five steps, you dead. So yeah. That's how uh Beatrix kills Bill at the end of the at the end of her journey. We're gonna dive a little bit into that more in the top five. But yeah. And finally, my last one I have here. Is being buried alive. That is a tough break. God dog, that is such a scary fear to have right there, being buried alive. Um all those are tough breaks. But which one's gotta be the worst? It's gotta be up it's gotta be between getting bit by a black mama and getting buried alive, right? Either way, those are just two horrible ways to die. Top five. So number one, I have the Bill and Bud scene in where Bill is trying to warn Bud about Beatrice coming to kill him. And they just go back and forth. Um. You know, so Bill is uh, and the know they're talking, and um, I believe Bud says, "You know, if she wants to fight, I mean, he's like, I'm a, I'm a bouncer, I'm a bouncer at a titty bar, Bill. If she wants to fight, she can come down there, start some shit, and we'll get into a fight. And then, um, you know, they continue. I don't remember in order how that that sequ- that that whole conversation went. And then Bill's asked if uh, he still has that uh, Hattori Hanzo sword. And Bud says, No, I pawned that years ago. And he's like, Bill gets real quiet and he goes, You hawked a Hattori Hanzo sword? It's priceless. And Bud starts laughing at him. He's like, Not here, in, out, not in our Paso. It ain't. It's a uh, got me $250. So something like that. And then Bill says, I know the last things. last time we talked, things didn't end well. Well, what happened? I wanna know what well you know that I should have put that in my uh things things I would teach about this film too. What happened between Bud and Bill? And um finally to come to that conclusion of that whole scene. Bud says that woman de- deserves her revenge. And we, we deserve to die. So I'm like, man, that's tough. I believe he continues on saying something like, uh, but then again, so does she. And so we'll see. Something like that. But yeah, I just love that line. That woman deserves her revenge. And we deserve to die. Number two. pi Mei. That's all I got to say. pi Mei. Um. First time he meets uh, Beatrice Kiddo, he he asks her to show him uh, her skills. So she shows him some sword stuff. He's not impressed at all. She tries to, like, lunge at him, and he jumps up and lands on the sword. And he's like, at this angle, you can, you can get a real good look at my foot, and then kicks her and does a backflip off a sword. And I'm like, bro, Pai Mei is just tough, tough, tough. Um, he's like he's like punching these thick ass boards, but Pai Mei, great! I need a Pai Mei movie alone, uh, Quentin Tarantino, please. Number three I have on here is uh the Hattori Hanzo swords. You know I don't know if I got that in my first one or not, but yeah, definitely has to be up in there. Sorry, not sorry. Number four. Bud. Bud makes my top five. Bud is a part of the uh, Diva squad, you know, and. You know, uh, it's just I, I just find Bud so interesting in this movie, you know, Bud is was. Part of the world's deadliest assassination squad. And. He just had an odd downfall that really isn't talked about too much in this film. You know, he, um, he's living at this wrote down trailer, driving around this beat up truck. Um, he works at a strip club that's in the middle of nowhere. It's some small little town in California. He's like treated, uh, he's like in the middle of nowhere working at this place. I think it's called the Oh My My Club. And, um... You see in there, he goes in there. uh, He comes to work 20 minutes late. And he's just being treated like absolute dog shit. Um, He has that one great scene with his manager who's talking to him. He's like, he says to him, you know, you're 20 minutes late. Um, And they said something about, don't come back until I call you, Till I call you. You're telling me I'm paying you not to do your job. And all this other stuff, and he's like, and he taught, and then finally he, he talks to him about his hat. He's like that hat, that fucking hat. How many times do I have to tell you to stop wearing that stupid hat? Um, he says, now go home, and before I, before you go, Rocket has a job for you to do. And so, Bud finally tries to look for Rocket, finds her, and then she has, she wants him to clean up off shed water, off the floor, and clean up the bathroom. So it's like, bud, what happened to you? But, like, what happened to you, man? Like, talk about a hard downfall. A hard, odd downfall. And then, um, some more things, a little bit more things about Bud that I like so much is that, um, it's it's his lines, you know? The, uh, that woman deserves her revenge, and we deserve to die. Um, that I don't know where else I can get it from, but that uh, wakey wakey eggs and bakey. Only know that from Kill Bill Volume Two. I don't know if that's a, from anywhere else, but I just know it from Bud. And then before Bud buries her, he's like, "This is for breaking my brother's heart." And then like closes the casket. I'm like, "Damn!" So even though he has, he's not at, on good terms with his brother. He still has love for his brother. So in an odd chilling, disturbing way. I wish I could've seen that's another thing. I wish I could've seen Bud and Beatrice Kiddo go at it a little bit more, like have like their own little fight scene. That would be a thing I would change about this film. But then again, it just plays out just perfect. And my number five, last one I have here is the uh Bill and Beatrice kiddo scene So like I said before Bill like uh, Bill Beatrix shows up to Bill's house and finds that her daughter's alive you know all that then they sit down after like the daughter goes to sleep she comes back downstairs and they're just have like a simple talk. Until, you know, things go out of hand. A little bit, just a little bit. She tries to like run after his Hattori Hanzo sword that she sees on top of his TV. And he like shoots the TV and then like shoots the fruit in front of her. And then he shoots... Um, Bill shoots Beatrix with this truth serum. And he asks her, why, why'd you leave me? And she tells Bill, um, you would automatically try to claim our daughter and that she deserves to be born with a clean slate. She doesn't need to be born in a life like this. And, you know, it's just like a toxic-ass... This this is like the ultimate toxic relationship. Um, where they go outside and they start talking some more. She's, she, she tries to get to... She talks to Bill and we get an understanding of why bill did what he did he wanted to get the guy the people that he thought killed her and when he tracked her down he found out that Beatrice is alive and not only that she's alive she's knocked up and she's about to get married so he was very upset and to which he replied i overreacted to killing you and stuff so or trying to kill you and then they go back to having bad blood and after they have like a little fight scene and after Beatrix does the five finger death blow to Bill, Bill is in shock and he's surprised. He's like, so Pi May touch the five finger death, uh, death punch or death blow and then Beatrix starts crying a little bit saying, you know, I'm sorry, I'm a bad person. And Bill replies, You're not a bad person, and you know, he he cleans himself off, cleans himself up, and he's like, How do I look? And then she's like, Ready, and he gets up, takes his five steps, and then dies. And then, yeah, that's pretty much how it ended right there. Um, Beatrix runs off with her daughter, and she has this like like hysterical cry slash laugh to where she's sad to where at least I where i get this it's like where she's sad but yet um happy that this whole thing's over with such an overwhelming moment for her but yeah those are my top five the uh Bill and bud scene the pot pa, uh pyme hattori hanzo swords uh, Bud, and the uh, Bill and Beatrix scene. does it deserve a sequel. There are a lot of rumors about a Kill Bill 3, so who knows? I would like to see a Kill Bill 3, and I would also like to see a spin-off about Pai May, because he's such a badass. Give me that Pai May movie, man. Give me that Pai May movie. Last but not least, The Hollywood Shuffle. So for my Hollywood shuffle, kind of the same as previous as a previous episode, um, I have Lupita Nyong'o as a bride, Kurt Russell as Bill, Scarlett Johansson as Ellie Driver, Matthew McConaughey as Bud. The two new ones I would add in here, Mark DeCascos as Mae, and Edward James Olmos. As Esteban. And uh, that's it. So that's it. That's the show we ain't got no more. Thank you so much for tuning in. For this great episode. Come back next week. Because I will be talking about. A movie that is. One of my favorites. By John claude Van Damme. But it's really fucking terrible. But this is what the show's about, right? We got to review good movies and bad movies and odd movies. This is like in the, a tie-in between odd slash bad. Because it's like, at first when I watched this movie, I haven't talked about it yet. I'm going to talk about it a little bit. But at first when I watched the movie, it was like I was like five years old. And I was like, this is fucking badass. Now as a grown-up, I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking about this? So this is where like, the ugly part comes in. I guess so good that it's u- so bad that it's ugly, or so good that it's bad. You know, oh um, my fault. So bad that it's good, in my opinion, and it's utterly ridiculous. Um, the movie I'm talking about that I will be re- that I will be reviewing next week, Cyborg. Cyborg by John, uh, starring John Claude Van Damme. Next week. How many times I'm gonna say how many times I'm gonna keep saying that? I don't know. But it's okay. It's all good. Take care, everybody. See you next week.